Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We want to thank you for listening to this chapel message. Our mission at Southeastern is to seek to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. We hope that you enjoy this chapel message and that you will visit our website. It's www.sebts.edu. There you can learn more about our school and what the Lord is doing here. We hope you enjoy the message. Thank you for being a part of what we're doing here. Good morning. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. It's been a long time in coming. Uh, I remember meeting Dan in his office a couple years ago. And uh, I want to talk to you about a subject that isn't very glamorous in some ways. We sang about God's power this morning. And God's power is so overwhelmingly awesome, it's hard for me to get my head around it. But God's power is manifest in God's restraint. And when Christ did his greatest work, it was through submission. Well, you can call down a platoon of 10,000, or I guess that's bigger than a platoon, isn't it? 10,000 troops to protect you, and you don't. Imagine the restraint there. And uh, the Sabbath has taught me about this. I'm a physician. I got to tell you a story that illustrates my understanding of what Sabbath has become in my life. I read a Bible for the first time when I was 46, 47 years old and became a Christian. My wife, who was Jewish, uh, followed, as did my children. And, uh, and, and we started keeping the Sabbath right to begin with. I think partially because Nancy had grown up in a Jewish home, and so that was familiar territory. And partly because of my work schedule as an ER doctor, it seemed to make sense. But I got a medical story that illustrates my understanding of Sabbath. I had a mom bring in a little kid uh, one afternoon, and she said, and he was maybe two years old, and she said, I'm certain, and he put something in his nose. <laughs> now, I've taken little Legos, peas, nuts, M&Ms, you name it, I've taken it out of noses. Uh, and so this is not an unusual complaint. And I got this little fella, and I got, uh, got a light up in there, and I didn't see anything. Hint. In case anybody changes careers and goes into medicine, always believe Dr. Mom. Okay, you can never go long believing Dr. Mom. And she said, I'm, I'm sure he was playing with this indoor-outdoor carpet, and uh, I think he stuck something in there. So we had to put him in something called a papoose, and he's screaming bloody murder. <laughs> and I got a speculum up in there, and sure enough, there was something exactly like that. Thank you, by the way. <laughs> it's a perfect illustration. And I got, a, I got a, a forcep on it, and I started pulling it out, and I delivered a piece of foam exactly like that, about that size. He'd been playing with this indoor-outdoor carpet that had this stuff molded to the back. He took it off. And what else to do with it? <laughs> you, know, you have two choices, swallow it or stick it in your nose. He put it in his nose. And to me, the Sabbath has been like that. I grabbed a hold of it. I knew there was a little something there, but it just keeps expanding in what it means to me. D did that work, this illustration? Okay. All right. 
the, the, the Sabbath is something you can talk about all day long, but it's kind of like talking about Ben and Jerry's Cherry Garcia ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> One taste is, is, is what matters. And, and this is a subject that the Lord says, taste and see on. Uh, I grew up in a culture of Sabbath keeping. Even if I wasn't Christian, the world around me stopped. On Sunday where I grew up, there was no place that you could buy anything. You couldn't buy groceries, you couldn't buy gasoline, you couldn't buy medicines. There was only one place in town that would take your money <laughs> on Sunday, yeah. <laughs> and something has happened because culture has shifted. All of my education, all of your education is about learning new things. It's about seeing new things. It's about recognizing new patterns. And in medicine, I learned about seeing stuff that's not there. Now, what do I point this at? Okay. This is a chest x-ray. Am I the first to ever give chapel and put up an x-ray? All right, we got lots of foam in the nose. Pay attention, this is a historic moment. Okay. I saw an x-ray like this when I was a medical student, which illustrates a principle that I have never forgotten. Sherlock Holmes operated off this principle quite a bit. And, and that is, You've got to look for something that's missing. And this is a, a similar x-ray to a, a woman who had come through the emergency department. Uh, she'd had a cough, uh, sent out after a chest x-ray, told no nothing was wrong. And the radiologist that was reviewing the films that had been seen by the docs in the evening before said, whoa, I think she's got cancer. Now, this x-ray is like most that you look for, and you, you, you look for tumors, you look for bullets, knives. My grandmother could read those. Um, you look for stuff that's not supposed to be there, and there's nothing on this chest x-ray that's not supposed to be there. But what is missing is what would kill this person. The, the left collarbone is missing, the clavicle. Do you want to know how hard it is to see something that's missing? I had this chest x-ray up in front of a large group, and afterwards, a husband and wife came up, and she said, I knew, there was, I knew what you were heading for there, but I couldn't find what was wrong with it, and I'm a pediatrician. She said, so maybe I have an excuse, but my husband, who's a radiologist, couldn't find it, and he has none. What has gone missing is this time of Sabbath. Uh, and this is what's gone missing. This is the longest commandment in the Bible, and it's the longest of the top 10 commandments. Now, there's 613 commandments given in the Old Testament. Many, as you know, have no use whatsoever. We don't have a temple. Many of them are culturally less relevant. You know, there's a commandment of what to do if you loan him your ox and it gores him. And I hate that. But even in a, a group this size, that happens, what, once a year at most. 
But 10 of the commandments are different. And I was very confused about this when I first read the Bible. I read the Bible without any other Christian around me. And I read it, and the Ten Commandments seemed to occupy a different place. And over the dozen years of being a Christian, I've learned that they occupy a different space for a reason. They apply to all people at all times in all places. So let's read this commandment together. Remember this Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. I want to do an experiment which we can do in this sanctuary right now, but that I'm finding it more and more difficult to do with younger people because they have no Sabbath experience. I want everybody to buddy up and spend a couple of minutes talking about what you did on Sunday growing up. Why is it that I can remember Sundays growing up and I can't remember a Tuesday at all? Remember, this commandment begins with remember. And so what did you do on that day that made it special? What did you do that made it memorable? What was different? And perhaps even what didn't you do on that day? Spend a couple of minutes. There is an absolute premium on people with gray hair or no hair during this time. Get with them, okay? Buddy up and, and share.
Okay, I'll interrupt you. Look around you, look at the smiles on people's face. That's a look of joy. Uh, and uh, I actually lost control of a church doing this exercise once and had to resort to yelling, let us pray, to, to, uh, to get control of things. Let me talk about the Ten Commandments for a moment. Uh, virtually everybody in here is better educated than I am. I, I haven't been to seminary, but I'll review some of this. As you know, the Ten Commandments are not grouped randomly. They are really in two sets. And in old art, they really used to divide it up this way. Um, the first three commandments, and by the way, for those who are uh, from a Catholic or a Lutheran background, and some of you may have been, you might wonder, they were, they're numbered differently in those traditions. Uh, it's, it's not that there was any missing commandments, there's just a different numbering system. They went with Augustine's numbering system. I'm gonna go with the Jewish numbering system because they own the real estate first, okay? <laughs> so, uh, the first three commandments are about God. I am the Lord your God, you'll have no other gods above me. Uh, you're not to make idols of, of me, and to call on my name is a precious thing, so don't do it idly or in vain, that's a sin. Those commandments are about God, are they not? And so we're, we're gonna put them over here. The commandments five through 10 are about people. They're what makes civilization civilized. Honor your parents, don't kill, lie, cheat, steal, run around, put stuff on your credit card to keep up with your neighbors. I was paraphrasing. <laughs> it says, thou shall not put stuff on your credit card. Um, <laughs> Those are about people, are they not? And so we're gonna put those over there. The longest commandment goes in which category? Both. It goes between, somebody said. Absolutely, I think of it as a bridge between heaven and earth, God and man. This is the only commandment that God explicitly applies to God. This is the only commandment woven into creation. It's not subtractable. It'd be like subtracting gravity or something. Uh, and so it's, it's a bridge between heaven and earth. It's, it's a temple in time, as Heschel wrote in his, in his landmark book about the Sabbath. Uh, and, and when we walk out onto this bridge, God makes time to meet us, and we make time to meet God. Think about the memories that you just shared. How many of you said you went to church on Sunday? Raise your hand. Makes sense, right? When you go to church, you do all kinds of things that you don't necessarily unpack, but you call on the Lord's name, do you not? You sing, you pray, you read scripture. How many of you said that you ate meals with families? Yeah, that's the number one memory people have. Meals with family, meals with extended families. How many of you took a nap on that day? Okay. All right. Now here we're getting down to the nitty-gritty. How many of you were made to take a nap on that day? Yeah, lots of you. Okay. How many of you remember that you didn't go shopping on that day? It was a day just for family. Now, it's, it's pretty interesting because those are not random memories. You went to church. 
you prayed, you sang commandments one through three. Remember, a commandment is an, a do not do commandment is an endpoint. God wants you to weep way back from the endpoint. So if, if the commandment says, do not take the Lord's name in vain, the intent is call on the Lord's name with reverence. Is that not true? That's what the commandment really means to do. That's the intent of the commandment. You ate meals with your family. Honor your father and mother. As a parent, there is nothing that honors me more than my children and my, my children's spouses eating a meal with me. Thou shalt not kill. You took a nap. Physically impossible to kill while taking a nap. <laughs> Thou shalt not commit adultery. What do you think your parents, what commandment were they working on while you were told to take a nap? <laughs> Don't covet. You didn't go shopping. The reality is that this bridge between heaven and earth sort of automatically starts to have things happen when you when you honor and remember the Sabbath, that are all the rest of the commandments. Now the question is, how did the Sabbath go missing? Because we know that the Sabbath, or the Lord's Day, um, observance of that is going away. The understanding that it's a vital part of the Christian life is being lost, not by non-Christians, but by Christians. Who wants to blow the bridge between heaven and earth? Who wants to shut off communications between God and man? Whose business is that? Name it, Satan. When we talk about the Sabbath, we're talking about big business here. There's only one person who presents himself pridefully to the Lord is busy. I've been going to and fro, up and down on the earth. That's Satan's job, busyness. And so when we, when we rest, um, what we under, come to understand, I think, is that God's rest is more powerful than any work that we can do. God's rest is a powerful thing. D.L. Moody said that if we would lose the Sabbath, we would lose the church. If we lost the church, we'd lose the family. If we lost the family, We'd, lost, we'd lose the nation. I'll leave it up to you to decide whether or not he was crazy or whether we're on that pathway uh, right now. People have known that in order to get rid of the church, you have to get rid of Sabbath. In the French Revolution, they wanted to get rid of God and King. King Zizi, take his hat off. Church a little harder, take its Sabbath away. And so they changed the calendar and they went to a 10-day week with no Sunday on it. Uh, Russian Revolution, they knew, they, they knew the history of this, and uh, they went to a five-day calendar for years. You can still get these calendars on eBay. If you get one, send it to me. Um, and uh, five days, no Sunday. We are doing the equivalent in society now by going 24-7. Thus the title of the book, 24-6. There were a couple of cartons of books shipped here and I understand that Mark wants to use them for the talk tonight. Are you sure? I'm talking about trees. Can we give them to him now? 
or what? Yeah, okay. We will make books available for you for free about this, okay? Uh, I want to tell you that Please, please let me keep that promise, okay? Somebody, somebody grab the books and put them out back. Um, we, can, we can have people sign up tonight if they want books and we'll send them to them. We, we, it's easier to do that. Uh, keeping the Sabbath, I've found, and I've done it for about 12 years, is, is good for my health. Uh, let me tell you why I think uh, health and Sabbath are related. And God is interested in your health, by the way. Uh, when you go all the time and you don't know that there's a reliable break ahead that you can take, your body tries to cope with that stress. And uh, in the short term, your body makes a set of drugs called the catecholamines. This would be epinephrine or adrenaline. Has anybody here had a shot of adrenaline or epinephrine? Yeah, you ha are having an allergic reaction and it saved your life. I loved giving it to people in the ER. I'm a hero. <laughs> Three hours later, they're in the bathroom thinking a truck hit them. <laughs> I never told them about that. I just wanted to save their life, okay, and get credit for it. So these drugs are good in the short term, and they're really stressful in the long haul. When you're under stress on an ongoing basis, uh, you make another set of drugs called the glucocorticoids. These are the stress steroids. And again, they're kind of okay in the short term. You give people prednisone, which is a glucocorticoid, uh, when they have bad uh, reactions to the thing, and it can save them. But over the long haul, depression, obesity, diabetes. And uh, we're a very sick nation. Uh, the World Health Organization says that the United States is the most depressed country on earth. Uh, we are also the country that works the hardest now. We've passed the Koreans and the Japanese. And the church is not immune from this. Uh, and I don't think it's what um, uh, God wants us to do. One of the things that Sabbath has done in my life is it's helped me make sense of life. Where does God speak to you if you're too busy? Stopping on the Sabbath, uh, that pause helps make sense. And I have a, a little slide that illustrates the importance of, of uh, little pauses. Consider this lovely invitation to Grandma. Let's eat, Grandma. Now, can... Yeah, that's without the pause. Let's eat, Grandma. Yeah, it's a matter of life and death for Grandma. Um, <laughs> the... Uh, I should never do the slides. <laughs> I am technically challenged. Um, they said it would look smoother in the film if I didn't do this. Does this look smooth? It doesn't look smooth. Um, <clears throat> uh, I only have a couple of minutes to try to reverse all of culture. Right now, out there, there are thousands of people whose full-time job it is to get people not to be in church on Sunday. They don't have that on their job description, keep people from church on Sunday, but that's what they're doing. They're trying to get you to shop on that day. 
Um, I've talked to grocery store owners who close groceries on Sundays. The pressure on them is enormous. Car dealers, all these types of things. And, and so there's all these thousands of people out there with how much money is spent on Super Bowl Sunday? The largest liturgical event in the United States. Hundreds of millions uh, to take this away. And, and so you got to understand we're up against really big odds here. But if it can't happen in a group like this, where is it going to happen? Uh, our organization is trying to help this at seminaries. We've done it at Asbury Seminary to, to try to build a culture. I was just uh, with an economist, uh, Ron Blue, at Indiana Wesley, and we're, we're trying to institute this. And I would do anything to help this institution, which I think is a marvelous institution. I love being here. Um, take up the subject of Sabbath. But if you do that, I will give you one warning. I come from the background of medicine, and we have the axiom, first do no harm. And there's only one harmful thing that can come from the Sabbath, and that is legalism. Do you know what I mean by legalism? Legalism is when you understand the law, but you don't understand the intent behind the law. And so, I'll try to do the next slide. This Back to the girl in the wedding dress. Thank you. This is my daughter like a year ago getting married. Boy, there's nothing more wonderful than giving your daughter away in marriage and they've done everything right and, and he paid attention when I said if he did anything wrong to her during their courtship process, I would rip his arms off and beat him with the bloody ends. He believed me. Okay, advice to future fathers. I'm just going to say first. He went over and had dinner at my son and his wife's house for the first time. And my son pulls out this thing called a ranku, roku, something like that, which a friend from Kenya gave him. It's the only thing you can stop a lion with. It'll smash a lion's skull. And he explained what it was. He said, are you doing anything wrong to my sister? Anyways, so it was a great wedding day, okay? Everybody was happy. Everything had gone right, okay? That's an abstract decision you're making to enter into the, this lifelong commitment and everything. That's an abstract. But next slide, little girl. This is my daughter when she's incapable of abstract uh, thinking. She's two years old here. And she's going to illustrate not getting the intent of the law for us. Okay, just like right in this slide, she wants to swing. She knows you make that face when you swing, but she doesn't know you pull your arms, okay? When she was two, her life was pretty much perfect, except for one thing, her older brother. He was two years older than her, and he would push her buttons occasionally. There's been this lifelong button pushing, and he knew where every one of her buttons were. He'd installed them personally over the first two years of her life. And one day, she came, uh, he came running across the, the floor in the kitchen, and he's screaming, Dad, stop Emma. She's trying to bite and hit me. Stop her. And he ran out the screen door just wailing. And along comes my daughter, and she's running after him, and her fists are clenched like this, and her and I'm saying, Emma, stop, stop, stop. Nothing. It's not registering. And right as she was going out the door, I scooped her up like this, 
and I'm holding her up here, and she's still running like a little cartoon character. <laughs> and I said, Emma, what are you doing trying to bite and hit your brother? And she stopped. And she looked at me, the look of the unjustly accused, and she said, I am not trying to bite and hit Clark. I am just trying to bite him. <laughs> that is legalism. Okay? And it's very important to theology because Jesus had to deal with it all the time. Jesus was, was walking across water and feeding 5,000, and these guys that have been hanging out with him want to know who can ride shotgun in the bus, okay? Who's going to be next to him in heaven? And for me, Sabbath is about Christ. I'll leave you with this. Sabbath is about getting to know Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Beautiful are the feet that preach the gospel of peace. And, and Christ shows up, and I love the scene in Luke 4, and he's in his childhood synagogue. He hadn't been there. They want to know what the wonder kid who blew him away at bar mitzvah time is going to do. And he reads from Isaiah, and, he, you know, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's here to, to set the captives free. He's going to make the blind see. Blind is spiritually blind. It's not physically blind. It's spiritually blind. And he sits down, and they want to know what he thinks about this. And, oh, by the way, he's, what's the last thing he declared? I'm here to declare the acceptable year of the Lord. He sits down. They want to know what, what he thinks about it, and he says, you've seen it. It's here. I'm it. I'm the Jubilee year. I'm the mother of all Sabbaths. I am the Prince of Peace. I am Lord even over the Sabbath. You were not meant to save the Sabbath. It was meant, me, I was meant to save you. That's the only way it works here. Uh, and so I would say that one of the things that's really worked for me about Sabbath is getting to know Christ and the character of Christ. And that's really one of the main things I think Sabbath is, is getting to know the character of God and for God to heal us. Jesus does the majority of his miracles on the Sabbath, and everyone is similar. He doesn't put ears back on that day. He doesn't feed people. Everyone is a healing. The Sabbath was meant to heal us. Uh, I would like to leave you with a promise it's a big deal to become a Christian when you're in a completely non-Christian place. By the way, when I became a Christian, I wanted to find one other doctor to discuss my new faith with. I knew everyone on our staff, 300 doctors. I couldn't find one that even went to church. Um, and, and so I was kind of all in for this Christian thing. And... Uh, it's been in a real experiment to get to know the Lord. And the Lord, I believe, promised that he would take care of us. And so when I went to my wife and said, I'm quitting my job, God will take care of us. What do you think she said to me? We're still married. She loved me. She stayed with me. We'd promised to be with each other. And the Lord keeps his promises. He's married to us. And I'd like to put on the next slide, or somebody put it on, and read a promise, scripture, the one before that. Okay, 
This is a promise about what happens if you keep the Sabbath. I have found it to be absolutely true, and it's, uh, it's from uh, my friend Eugene Peterson. Do we have any of the films here? We don't, probably just books. Anybody wants one of the films, I sit down and talk with Eugene about the Sabbath. It's good stuff. Let's read this together. This is a promise. If you take Sabbath up, what it'll do for you. If you watch your step on the Sabbath and don't use my holy day to personal advantage, if you treat the Sabbath as a day of joy, God's holy day as a celebration, if you honor it by refusing business as usual, making money, running here and there, then you'll be free to enjoy God. Oh, I'll make you ride high and soar above it all. I'll make you feast on the inheritance of your ancestor Jacob. Yes, God says so. Let me close in prayer for us. Heavenly Father, creator of life, creator of rest. You've given us so much, and uh, yet we don't even take your biggest gifts. Your gift of salvation is free, and so many people leave it untouched. Your gift of the Sabbath is equally as free, and we as believers often leave it like the best package at Christmas, unwrapped behind the tree because we're just too busy and we got things more important than you. Uh, invade us with your sense of peace, your sense of joy, your sense of trust that in six days you will always give us enough manna and that there'll be a double portion to carry us through as we spend time with you. I ask that you bless this institution. You bless these men and women here today with a sense of peace. They have so many deadlines, family problems, health problems, school problems. Let them know that all of that will be taken care of if you are first sought and your peace and your righteousness will be added to them. I ask all this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this chapel message from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you are thinking about theological education on the undergraduate or graduate level, including doctoral studies, we hope that you consider us. If you also find these chapel messages encouraging and a blessing to your walk with Christ, we hope that you will consider financially supporting Southeastern. Our graduates are literally serving the kingdom across this globe working to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Your gifts will help to train more, and they will serve as a worthwhile investment in God's kingdom. You can find more information about attending Southeastern or supporting us financially at www.sebts.edu. We covet your prayers and trust that God will bless every good work you do for His glory. Thank you for joining us in our chapel services.